Hello, hello, hello. I'm so excited. I'm so excited for this episode. I, I, I'm, I, I'm going to do an introduction properly, but welcome, 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 Paula Shepard. Ah, I'm so excited to be here. I just, I adore you. I adore oh, you. Me too. Me too. And I waited so long to do this, this episode. <laughs> so anybody listening, you are welcome because this is, this is truly special to have Paula with us. Paula is a brand voice strategist and business coach and all things extraordinaire as we're going to find out in this episode as we share. I, I, I love what Paula stands for. I love the way that Paula expresses what she stands for. And I am so honored to have time with Paula today. Thank you, Paula, for being here. Oh my gosh, you're so welcome. The feeling is mutual. What a lovely introduction. It is. It, 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 I, I just think that anybody who what it is all about empowering people and you know engaging with people to take action and encouraging and cheering them on and supporting and sharing you are you are one of the most giving people on Facebook honestly oh my gosh thank you you know i i have always felt like a very giving person but there have been a lot of moments where you know when you start to kind of stand in your power and step out where people go like whoa wait what is this this is not your show you're not the center of the universe and i think that for a really long time held me back. Um, so I love that you recognize that and you see my, you know, ability to give, but also lead. Oh, it's, it's such a, such an honor to be in, in touch with you and you are so welcome. How did you get into business coaching and, and, and all things I am becoming? Oh gosh. Okay. So <laughs> here's the abbreviated version, right? So I, I was in corporate America for a long time and uh, 20 years and was working for somebody else. So I went to school, went to college to get a good job, make a lot of money. You know, they ask when you're 18, 19 years old, what do you want to do for the whole rest of your life? And what you want to do is kind of what the impression that has been left on you is. And I, I started college as a... Um, a performance major, a vocal performance major. I wanted to do some music education. And I had a lot of people around me saying, eh, you're not going to make a lot of money doing that. They're trying to take music out of schools. I changed my major a whole bunch of times. And I eventually landed on public relations. And um, it felt really good to me. But it was funny because every time I chose a profession, it was always one that didn't make a lot of money. And in my, <laughs> right? So um, flash forward, I was in a lot of jobs that I really loved. But the problem was they didn't make a lot of money. And success equated to how much money you were making, at least at the time, at least from what I've been told. So after 20 years in corporate America, I just really realized that I was the only female leader where I was working in a, an office in a Fortune 500 company. I was... Um, helping try to create a movement um, around small acts of inclusion. Because um, when I looked around, there was not a lot of diversity at all. And there was a lot of patriarchy. There was a lot um, of, of pressure put on you to get the next certification. And no one was looking at people's relational skills and how that could improve the way that we showed up and engaged with each other and created success for our customer and our other clients 
in uh, in our everyday work. And so I got to the point that I started learning more about myself, got my coaching certification. There's a whole story there and decided I'm leaving and I drew a line in the sand and I decided on a date. And that date was August 31st of 2020 was the last day. I said, that's the last day I'm going to be working here. And I knew that in my mind, but I had no idea how I was going to get there. I just kept saying it. And that date was really important because I was listed as key personnel on a contract. And I was told that I was going to have to be in the office all the time. Well, I'm a mom of four and uh, my youngest is now five. At the time, he was three. And I and my other ones are in high school now. They were in middle school. And I just didn't want to go back to an office. The traffic, the having to ask permission to spend time with my kids. But I made a lot of money. Like I made a lot of money. I made well over six figures. And I also held the benefits. So it was hard to think about getting out of that job. Um, but I drew the line in the sand and I started investing myself. I hired coaches before I, I hired a coach before I thought I was ready. Um, I wasn't ready to implement everything that she taught me at that time because there was a lot of confidence I didn't have in myself. And so while the skill set was there, I couldn't move forward. And then um, I just did it. I started my business. I went all in. In my first two months, I did really well. And I said to my husband, I'm going to quit my job. That was in May of 2020. Left my job and uh, officially was on my own in July of 2020. And so it's been not quite 16 months being full-time in my business. And that's where, I mean, that's how it all started. And it's been a whirlwind. It really has been in a really great way. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, I'm actually surprised when you, when you, when you're talking about 2020, cause I, I'm sort of thinking, wow, I feel like you've been doing this for ages, but for years, cause you, you're very successful at what you do and, at, and at gathering and finding the right people and, and sharing your message. You're, you're very successful. So to me, it seems so seasoned, like you've been doing this for since the internet. You know, I, I can't even remember the time where I wasn't doing this. I mean, I do, but I could never go back there, go back there now. And I do think that the reason I was so successful is twofold, right? One, I was willing to invest in myself in both financially and otherwise um, and not let my fear let me sink back into what was and thinking that that was safety. And then, you know, the second reason is that I didn't make it, I didn't make it all about myself. I knew that what was missing in my corporate job was a was recognition that everyone had really amazing ideas. And then if we all focused in on our zone of genius, that we could be a really unstoppable force. And so going into my business, I really wanted to step up as a leader and say, I'm not good at everything, but I know some amazing people. And so it, when I need support with XYZ or when somebody else needs that, I have this group of people that I can say, I trust this person and I, I can make that connection. In fact, before we started recording, I already, you and I yeah. were already talking and I already said like, oh, that made a lot of sense. I'm going to connect you to this other person. And I've done mm -hmm. that before because I really want to, because I'm not for everyone and everyone's not for me. Right. Yeah. And I mean, that that whole kind of business model of collaboration is just so aligned with my values. And I, I think, you know, we, we can't be all things to all people all the time. And for a lot of us, we try. And that that's, that's never going to be a long lasting strategy. 
And for a lot of us, we put other people down for having the things or doing the things that we wish we had or were. And, and I think, you know, when you've got somebody who is, is true to their mission, then they will put people in touch with people and they will want to collaborate. And, and that, that's, that's my only experience of you is you putting people in touch with people. Yeah, it's, I have a lot of people that come to me and just say, do you know anybody that does this? And it's one of the reasons why I, I tell people in, the, in my Facebook community, communicate with each other. Like the more I see about you, the more I can share your name with other people. And I need to trust and believe in what you do in order for me to share it. It's not just you gave me an affiliate link and I want to make a buck. It's that when I'm recommending people, others know it's because I'm probably employing their services or have experienced them in some way. So I'm doing it with a level of integrity versus um, seeing dollar signs or uh, doing it just because I feel like I have to to get ahead. I'm not just leveraging people um, and their audience. I'm. It's it, it's all like it's very integrated. I I don't even know how to describe it in a way where it becomes. This is just part of my ecosystem. Yeah, and I think I think integrity is is such a you know it's a value that a lot of people claim to have, and maybe they do in parts of their life, but. An, it should be very obvious to to everyone. Yeah, I, I integrity is just that word. You know, when I when I'm working with people and I, you know, working with my clients, one of the first things we do is evaluate their their values. Right, your values change over time, and they are. And there may be, you know, that core value that you're like, this is front and center all the time. It may drop to number three on the list. But the other thing is, uh, values are more than a word right? They don't mean anything if you can't describe what you mean. So it's great to say, I have integrity. But like the way I view integrity and the way that you see integrity, Heather, might be slightly different. And so for me to be able to describe it, right, it doesn't mean that either one of us has a lack in any way. It just means that when I say I have integrity, it means this, right? And um. And so for me, mine is motives matter, right? Like, so when I say I have integrity, it means that my motives and my team's motives and everything that I do and everything that I stand for is because I know my intention behind it. And to me, that's integrity, right? You may describe it differently. And so having, um, having a way of being able to describe and not just saying like, I just chose these five words and don't they sound cool? You have to understand what that means and what you actually stand for. I fully, fully agree. And I'm so happy that you said that. The number of times I've said to clients, your version of honesty and my version of honesty may very well be different. And uh, without exception, people's face falls like, wait, what? No, it yeah. is only one definition or, you know, and it, it, that's not that's not the case. It is how it applies to you. And I think, you know, if, if it's something like integrity is one of your values, if it does fall to number three, it, it might also mean that it has a slightly different context or plays a different role in how you're moving through the world at this time versus how it was before. Because I know that my values haven't shifted because I do recheck with them uh, since my late husband passed away. But the 
the the spotlight on things, the meaning behind them is really different with it's a your lot perception, of you know? It, it's the way that, like you said, you've gone through things in a way that's so different than the experiences that I've had. And so the way that you not just internalize them, but the way that they play out in your world is so much different and is um it's like the whole rose-colored glasses thing. It's you are learning how to apply that in a world that has been created as a result of your experiences. Exactly. Exactly. So how do you recommend people uh, understand what their what their values are and and the order of them? Because I love that there's a hierarchy to them. There, there really is a hierarchy if you've never done this exercise. What how do you how do you go about that with people when you start out with them? I mean at first, it's pretty basic, right? I would say anybody can do this exercise. You can Google a list of values if you can't think of words. I think people sometimes go like, <gasps> like deer in headlights, like you said, like, oh my gosh, values. I'm not actually really sure what I'm supposed to do with that. Just Google a list of values, print them out, and give yourself 10 minutes. And I just say, go through them and circle all the ones that like immediately as you see them, you're like, yes. And you may have 25 circled. Um, and then, you know, go from that list and say like, okay, from this list, you know, maybe you put an X through some that are like, that's the one where as soon as you see it, you're like, that is a non-negotiable for me. And then I have people eventually, once you get that list parsed down, you know, rank them because having your top five is really important. And when you've got the words, then it's, you know, let's, like I said, we'll just use integrity. If you say integrity, describe that to yourself. Don't go look it up in Webster's Dictionary, right? Don't Google what it means. What does it mean? What does honesty mean to you? What does integrity mean to you? How does that look? How does it feel? How does, how do you see that? right? What is the action that happens as a result of that? And from there, you can create a value statement for yourself. And the value statement for yourself, it's not just about your business, right? It is about you because you are an extension of everything in your business. And those set that those are the, the driving force between your next hire, right? Who the right fit is in terms of your clientele, and you get to stand in your own power when you're doing this because now it's not you trying to call in just any warm body with a pulse, right? You're really looking for someone who sits and suits your values. And working with, I just got goosebumps, like working with people like that, both from a team perspective and also from a clientele perspective, will absolutely change the trajectory of your business. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. You also mentioned the word leadership a few minutes ago. What's a leader as far as your experience and opinion is? Yeah. <clears throat> so a leader is, first and foremost, that's somebody who's setting the culture. I don't look at leadership as somebody that's standing above the crowd, right? I think it's somebody who's like, you know, standing among the crowd, becoming aware of what other people are doing around them and understanding like what is the message that needs to be heard right now, not in a manipulative way, not in a way where it's like, how can I tell these people what they want to hear? But saying like, what does everybody need right now to work the very best together or to get to the next level? And then also for leadership, it's 
in order for you to be a leader, you have to know who you are to lead other people. If you're if you're out there and you're trying to tell other people what to do, that's not leadership. Okay. Leadership is it's about being innovative, right? It's about understanding that the expectations of you are going to get really high and that you're going to be standing alone on the stage and probably be the one that's going to be pelted with, you know, all kinds of nasty comments, right? And understanding that it's okay that there are a variety of opinions and be able to detach from that a little bit. So I think leadership, and again, like this is all perspective, but leadership genuinely to me is becoming a cohesive part of the group and becoming so hyper aware of what is happening around you so that you can help other people operate in a way that feels really good to them and allows them to shine and exemplify their zone of genius. Beautiful. Beautiful. I wish people in positions of power called leadership titles uh, understood that more. I think that's why they say management, right? And and I know that for a really long time, I before I was in a leadership position, I was already in a leadership role, right? In my mind, there were already lots of things that I was doing, that I was stretching, that I was reaching for, that I was helping do without the title. But I think that when you're in a business, like when you're working for somebody else, you think that you have to have that title in order for you to actually be respected and seen as a leader. And it wasn't until I got into entrepreneurship that I realized the weight that people put on their title. And I always say like, you can call me Captain Mickey Mouse. I don't care what you call me because it's not about my title. It is about the skills that I bring to the table. And it is about the way that we work together to get you to your next level, to your next thing, right? It's not about the title. And there's so much weight put on that, both in the community as new entrepreneurs, um, and then also definitely in businesses, right? And management is the term that's used. And there is a distinct difference between a manager and a leader. Oh, very much so. Very much so. And I think it's, it's, it's very, it's, I mean, that that's, I made a whole career out of uh, leadership training because there were a lot of managers that I worked with who didn't have those leadership skills. People in their team were being followed. People in their team were expressing and sharing and empowering and igniting ideas, but they weren't a lot of the time. And so I was employed, actually, j- j- literally to, to help them, you know, develop those skills. But I think when you go, when you're, when you're then own business, um, it's, it's kind of a different focus. It, yeah, you're kind of tossed into it if you've not had that training, if you've not even had the experience, or if you've basically been told you're just an individual contributor, right? You're part of the team. But the like you were mentioning, there's all these people who have these really great ideas, but then they're afraid to use their voice and share them. And then the buck stops with the manager or the, I'm just going to air quote leader here too. And, And so all of these great things are percolating and they make their way up and nothing happens. And so what happens to those people, they start to get silent. 
They don't want to share their ideas anymore. They do. They have great ones, but it doesn't make sense for them to waste their time doing things that aren't going to make a difference. Why would they waste their time? And so they Absolutely. do get really quiet. And I think when when we start a business, and particularly those of us who are online or have a strong online presence of for finding their people, a lot of times you'll see people who will look at whatever they're doing do some sort of version of that or copy of that in some cases, right? And yeah. then they'll kind of go, oh, okay, I'm a confidence coach. These confidence coaches are saying these things. I will make a post about that. I'll reword it or, you know, I'll, uh, you know, and, and it's, it's very evident that, that there's a lack of that leadership going on there. Yeah. And it, it's also very evident around that, lack of belief that they can inspire their own followers because leaders are people who, that have others that follow them even if it's one yeah so this is a really important point because i think even the most confident people in real life when they shift to social media it's a completely different ball game right and so our natural inclination as individuals is to imitate people that we see are leaders in our industry right and we're kind of hoping it's going to work for us too we're like well if it's worked for them then i'm going to hope it works for me too. And the thing is, again, let's go back to values. One, we don't know their values. Two, we don't know their backstory. We have no idea how long it's really taken them. We don't know what's behind the curtain. We really don't. As much as some people want to share what's really happening, I try to be really honest about that too. There's still pieces and parts that we leave out unintentionally with no malice because we don't think they're important or we've glazed by them, right? And so when you're stepping into this new role, maybe you were a leader in a, in a corporate office. Maybe you were a manager making a lot of money and you had a big team. Maybe you were on a, you know, in a, you know, multi-level marketing direct sales business and you had a massive team and now you're like, here I am doing something different. And all of a sudden, uh, it's a reality show. We talked about that too before we went on camera um, and recorded. But you've now been thrust into this world where not only are you expected to stand up and be a leader because you're running your business and you have to be the face of all the sales and marketing, you're also learning about yourself and basically exposing yourself on social media. It is a, it's like having your own reality TV show. And how many people would say yes to being on a reality TV show? Probably not as many people as are running businesses right now online, right? And so there's this whole other set of skills that people have to learn that they didn't learn before. Showing up in person is much different than showing up on camera. You know this very well. So I think, um, I think initially kind of imitating people that you see, I think instead of imitating, become aware, like become aware of what it is that that draws you to that person. What about that person is intriguing? And then instead of imitating that, going like, what are my natural abilities? And if you don't know, ask your friends, ask your family, ask people who are already engaging with you online. It doesn't matter how well they know you. Just say like, when you see me, what three words come up for you? And I think that's a really great starting point for people who are starting out online. It's a one, it's a confidence booster. And two, it's going to be a place for you to extend 
all of the rest of your personality from and start to discover this evolution of your voice and your authenticity. I love that. I think that's great advice. I think that's really great advice because so often, and we were talking about this before we went on air, we, we are looking for permission from other people. And so by imitating other people, it implies that we have permission because it's working for them. So therefore I have permission to do that. But it isn't authentic. And I think, you know, if if you if you can recognize three things, I mean, people would say that I'm loud, crazy, and unpredictable are probably three of the most, you know. So which is true because I'll I'll very often kind of just have a thought and go, Oh, I'm gonna go live, because that's that's how that is, you know. Um, whereas other people are more structured or we need to do more research or we need to formulate it. I am genuinely an extrovert. It means I don't have very many unexpressed thoughts. So I express them either I'm typing away or I'm saying them. And that's just how that goes. And I think so that for me to try and imitate somebody who is more considered, who's does, you know, a lot more detail, who likes to, you know, plan those kind of things. I'll do some of that, but I, that's not my, that's not my way. And so it won't work. It won't ever be authentic if I'm trying to imitate somebody else who you know, has a whole plethora of marketing people, you know, and copywriters and all kinds of people around them. That's never going to work for me. Cause I'm yeah, always and, I, and you're sabotaging yourself if you try, right? I think um, we're looking, especially like in the beginning of your business until you kind of hit that middle of your business. A lot of people are just really looking for the formula. Like they're not sure. And so they're like, give me the steps to get started and be really, and that helps them feel really comfortable. And there's really nothing wrong with that. But at some point, you have to be able to say, every time I take a course, every time I'm in a program that offers me some kind of teaching, I have the ability to decide, does this work for me or does this not work for me? And that doesn't make it a bad program or a bad offer. It just means you take the bits and pieces that work for you and you put them together. And that's what makes your magic. That's beautiful. And I know we're in we're in quite similar cycles right now in terms of like really wanting to work with people who want to take action. Absolutely. Yeah, I you know, in the beginning of your business, you're you're like I just really want somebody anybody to work with me to prove that I can do this and that I'm a business owner and that I made some money. So, do you have a pulse? Yes. And you're breathing. Cool. I will work with you. And then, but you learn, right? And there's there's a level of learning. Um, I think once I hit my six-figure mark, I still tried to stay in this, in a, you know, working with beginners. And it was very, very difficult for me. And there's and when I say beginner, I don't mean beginner like you're just starting. I mean a beginner mindset, someone who you have to constantly convince, right? I was never in my mind a beginner. I was always, I was, I mean, I was always moving. There was no way that you could ever peg me as anything except for headed to the next thing, right? Which meant I had to protect myself from burnout. But, but what I really, really want people to do is to just take a step back. And before you, before you blame that program for not working, I want you to decide what you want to do. Like, what do you want your business to look like? And then build your life around, like build your business around your life and not the other way around, because that's the mistake that we make. We leave these jobs and we wanted freedom. And yet 
from the very beginning, we start creating businesses that don't even align with our values and we're recreating that corporate job, except for now we're responsible for a ton more than we ever used to be responsible for, right? And it doesn't give us the freedom that we wanted to have. Target our market. And it might be that in a year from now, we don't want to work with people who want to go to the next level. We actually want to go back to people who are starting out or, you know, it, it, it's an ebb and flow thing. Um, it's interesting you say that about beginner's mind because I've never thought about it in those terms. So I always advocate that I have a beginner's mind because I always will say, I didn't know, I, I, can you explain it to me like I'm new? Because I always get something from going back to the basics and the foundations. And what I hadn't thought about before, and I and I need to take some time away from this and, and consider it, is because I love that. I really do love that. And I learn a lot more because I'm not kind of like, yeah, 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 I get that. Now let's move on to the new thing. I'm always looking at the same thing from all different angles and learning everything that I can about it. So for example, when I'm working in, with corporate clients, I will very often be delivering a program many, many times in the same in the same kind of way while we're piloting it and testing it. And people say, how can you stand to talk about performance management that many times? And I'll say, because that audience in that room is new. So it's, it's a brand new program as far as I'm concerned. And that's really different to delivering the same thing you know, on autopilot and next, and then I'm going to say the same thing and then next and so on, you know, and I think um, what I haven't considered and I need to go away and consider is how many times that holds me back from learning the next thing because I'm learning that thing even better and playing with it. You know, I think there's actually some beauty in that because every program that I have ever paid for um, always starts with the first you know, it's always the basics, right? We're always talking about, you're always talking about your audience, whatever the, the way that they do it. We're always talking about, you know, your messaging and some of it is good and some of it's not great. And some of it, I'm like, I, I, there are a lot of people that I know that go, I already know that, but I approach it the same way. I approach it with, but I'm seeing it from a different perspective now. Like I've climbed five steps. And so the way I see it, is so much different than the way I saw it before. And your values are changing. So, you know, I would probably argue that, you know, when you're walking into, especially for you, a new audience for your performance management, they all have a different culture. They all have a different mission. So this isn't cookie cutter for you. It's the same core message, but the way you have to get them to interact with it and to move forward with it is so different, right? To me, that that requires a really nimble kind of com more complex mindset than kind of a, you know, and when I say, again, when I say beginner, there's nothing wrong with beginner. When I say beginner mindset, I mean that beginner person who just comes in and, and wants everything spoon-fed to them and doesn't doesn't go like, I'm going to take this little bit over here and I'm going to take this over here and we're just going to trust my gut and I'm going to go. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to take action. And you're an action taker. I know that about you. Yeah, I am an action taker. And you, you, when you were describing that, I was thinking it would be like a comedian. If you went to a comedian and you knew they had said that over and over again and they made that quite clear kind of like a at this point I say this and at this point you laugh and then, and then I say this next story and you know you would quickly pick it up if it was kind of by rote or on autopilot mm -hmm. 
versus truly engaging with the people in that audience and connecting with them. And that's where sometimes when we're online, like it's great because we're talking, we can see each other, we can, you know, we, we can record that way. But when we're talking online, say for example, doing a live and we don't have people engaging with us, that can feel really difficult because it's kind of, I've got to pretend that I'm really engaging with the energy and I, I'm not getting anything back. Um, I don't, I, it doesn't worry me because I'm an extrovert. I can just talk and I, I can amuse myself. <laughs> me too. I'm a verbal processor and uh, everything I can talk and I just pretend like there are people watching me. I can imagine that those people are sitting here and I'm talking to them. I see their faces in my mind and I'm sure that you're, you can do the same thing as a performer and this is what makes an amazing leader, right? Is that ability to visualize the outcome. Like you can visualize what that looks like. You can visualize what that feels like. Not even just like what it looks like, but what it feels like, how it smells in the room. How are people interacting? What do their faces look like? That is a skill and it can't, it's a learned skill, right? Um, some people are better at it off the bat than others, but that in and of itself is so powerful. And, and you're, as a performer, that's, you have to have that skill because an athletes do the same thing. You have to be able to see the outcome in your mind. You can't just play it out and hope, oh, I just said that thing out loud. I hope it's going to happen. If you can't see it and your mind can't believe it, it's not going to happen. Fully, fully agree. Um, I also cheated a little bit in the beginning because um, <laughs> I always needed somebody with me for technology if it went wrong. <laughs> I'd be like, if that went wrong, that's it. I can't, that's it. Uh, that's all I know. Um, so I used to have other people in the room sitting there because then I would have somebody on hand if it went wrong, then they could kind of dive in and help. But I, that's what I, one of the things I love about StreamYard, not that I, sh I, should, I should be an affiliate salesperson for StreamYard, but I, I used to keep people in the, um, in the green room where they can't be seen on camera, but I can see them and then I could record that way. I think that's fabulous and very innovative. And also um, the fact that you did that and you were self-advocating. Like I, the things that you're you're seeing as your weakness, this is what I want everyone who's watching this to, to see too, is like the things that you're seeing as your weakness, like, oh, I had to have somebody in the green room just in case something didn't work. I mean, you're you're preparing. Like you're preparing because you care so much about making sure that this goes off without a hitch. And you know that you're not skilled in those areas and you asked for support so that you could fill the gaps in ways that, so that you could focus on what was important to you and where your zone of genius is. And that is pretty outstanding, actually. Ah, oh, thank you. It, 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 it does relieve your, you don't, you don't have to have any brain capacity being taken up by those things that you're worrying about. What if that happens? Because right. it does, somebody else has got that covered. So it does. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Okay. Speaking of comedians and speaking of freshness, if you were performing on a cabaret stage, which could be cabaret is just, just anything that's in a small venue. Uh, so that's historically where there used to be alcohol, um, particularly talked about in, um, in prohibition America. Um, but not, but not only, uh, but I think, um, anywhere where, it was a small audience. So most comedians would have started off in a cabaret. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because they don't start off as like on a big stage like Eddie Murphy can command. 
Mm-hmm. They got to do a small stage. They have to test they the waters. The, they do the small stage, right? They do the they do the thing until they get discovered. And you know, you you even listen to to Bette Midler talk about her story and how they had these little skeezy bars and small audiences and things. Love me some Bette. Cabaret has its has has a lot of its foundations in vaudeville, which was a range of things, you know. So it could be it could be comedy, it could be singing, it could be dancing of, of various forms, it could be burlesque, it could be drag, it could be all kinds of different things. If you were performing cabaret, Paula, what would your cabaret number be? Oh my gosh. You know, I love I mean, I love the the whole burlesque. I love the outfits. I love the like, um, like very pinup girl looking look. I, come on, red lip. Um, I love that look. I really do. Like, I just there's something so sensual about it. I just love the like, it and it's it's like a beautiful mix of masculine and feminine energy. And I think that's what I bring to the table, right? The structure of what it is with the fluidness of what it can be. Like it's the notes between the spaces, right? It's that fluidness. We know that it starts here and it ends here, but like in between is this whole flow. And that's, I mean, that would be my show. Who's coming to my show? Amazing. So I'm picturing, and I, I could be wrong, but I'm picturing something quite classic burlesque, you know, quite Dita Von Teese, Gypsy Rose Lee. Yes, I was actually going to say Dita Von Teese. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Oh, that's cool. So see, because we both love the idea of burlesque, but uh, but I'm much more of a neo-burlesque and much more of a angsty, fierce, kind of filthy, oh. make, make the audience feel uncomfortable rather than make the audience maybe swoon and yeah it's it's cool that's cool see yeah. and i love that because that's a great example of what we were talking about about we could be doing the a different thing but we have our own brand on things totally yeah mm. okay so you're allowed to have one prop on stage with you what is it oh i don't know um i see feathers so i don't know what that is okay i mean it could just be a giant feather it could be a feather fan that's what I'm actually, I was seeing like, I don't know, not a feather duster because I'm not cleaning the stage, but <laughs> you know, I, I just see like I do ooh, a feather fan or like, you know, like something on a stick with like all these beautiful feathers, just very fluffy feathers off of it. Something that I can just like, whew, that's, I don't know if that's a thing. Oh, I'm sure someone could make it or they haven't, but that is, I think that would be it. It would be feathers. Mm. There's, yeah. yeah, I mean, you could even have very large ones, so you could do like a reveals and ooh, ooh, I like that. I like that too. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that. Do you have a color in mind for your plumage? I love deep purple, like a purple. I'm really gonna say purple. I don't know why, but I could feel it for you. That's my color. Yeah. <sighs> okay. What is your stage name? How are you? What are you being introduced as? Oh my gosh! I know. I don't know. Yes, you do. Oh. What is my stage name? Oh, I don't know. You do. You already know. There was already a word that came to your mind. All like, I mean, the only, the only word that comes to my mind is like, is power. That's the only thing. But I don't know. I've never really thought about a stage name. All I can think of is, is 
power, but the power is like so feminine. Hmm. I don't know. Give me some ideas of what people use as their stage names. Maybe that will spark something for me. I mean, so for me, I used to use Helen back. Um, Helen, mm. because everybody in the UK just calls me Helen. I don't know why. I would say, hey, I'm Heather. And they go, hey, Helen. Uh, on emails, face to face, it never, ha never, never fails to happen. I mean, even like if I go into Starbucks, they'll say, what name? What's the name for the cup? And I'll say Heather and they write Helen. I don't, I don't know what happens. There's a translation thing. I don't know what happens. <laughs> And so I decided to embrace Helen, um, and then and then I was Helen back because it was very much um, narratives about my past and that that kind of you know my Ooh. journey. <gasps> Ooh, I have a name. Ah, okay, okay. So so I don't necessarily have a last name, but I will say my we go through this whole exercise about naming your inner critic, and my inner critic is kind of a bitch, and she's. Um, and she, her name is Bianca. That's what I name my inner critic. So that would be my, I think that would be it. Cause I think there's a way to like play out that, um, that vibe of that whole like criticism, but actually acting out like in the way that she would expect me to be at this very like pristine kind of high level, you know, making sure that you're engaging the audience in, in a fabulous way. I love that you have chosen for your inner critic to keep you in your stage persona of being smoldering and sensual. And I love that for you with the feather. Yes. Mm. What's interesting, I shed Helen back and I debuted a new persona, which is also Helen. Um, and that, there's, a, there's, there's a, a long and not very related story to where that came from, but it became kind of my story of I can also be anything I want to be. I can also be a bitch. I can also be sexy. I can also be fierce. I can also be whatever I want to be. And so, and so this kind of became this, you know, uh, that my, my whole kind of introduction is, you know, around... Um, these rules that aren't real rules about how we're supposed to behave. And so, you know, and, and so there's a kind of a rant about, and also, you know, how we're supposed to be as mothers and also how we're supposed to be as wives and also how we're supposed to be as, as business women and also, and also Helen. And then I can be whatever the hell I want to be. I love that. Yeah. Because we do, we, we wear a lot of hats, right. But underneath of all those hats is an actual person yep. and, you know, it's not the name. I don't know if you've ever read the book, uh, The Untethered Soul, but it's it's very much in alignment with what you're talking about here. It's like, it's not who you are, what you've done. Like, it's not your name. It's like, at the root of it all, who are you? And so many people cannot describe themselves without describing one of the many hats that they wear. That is a massive piece of the work that I do because you should know who you are. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I also knew who I was no longer, which is why I shed my Helen back, because I didn't want mm. it to be about my story and my and my way coming back. I, I didn't want to keep dragging that forward. So I shed that and then and then re-debuted, which is fun. I love that you use the word shed too. I always say drop the armor, like peel the layers of the onion, but I love the word shedding. Ooh, the imagery there. 
Hmm. What I think is interesting about, because people often think, oh, this is, you know, kind of just a, a strange, funny question and, you know, loosely related to cabaret. But but for me, it isn't because when you, we think about what it is that we, what our prop would be. And I've had people say, like, I'm taking a pen because I always have a pen and I feel safe. <laughs> and I feel so, me too. Do you really think that the angry mob is going, you're going to go back or I'll use my pen. You know, it's like, it's protecting me from nothing. The same with a mug. A lot of people want like a mug because it feels secure. I can hold it. I, I have the mug too, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. And so, and so the way that we use those things says a lot, how you would use a big feather is very different to how I vary. I can promise you now, because your, yours is going to be very sensual and you liked the reveals and so on. Mine would be more filthy, more, I would be doing things with my feather. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But how you can take the same thing and Again, just back to our values conversation, take the same thing and you can perceive it and express it in a variety of different ways. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's interesting to me that you talk about Bianca as your as your person who, who's going to, you know, kind of hold you in, in that place. Because when we think about imposter syndrome, I like to, to have my imposter voice named so I can talk to that part of me. But I also have my stage person um, and I and I talk like a very fierce bitch to that person, you know, kind of like you you are you were a mother effing. I, I don't want to ruin the podcast. I don't want to end up with <laughs> Are you ruining it by being yourself? I mean, you're a motherfucking aerial dancer. What, why are you not expressing that strength? And what happens to me, and this is a true, genuine, what happens to me is I am physically stronger when I talk to myself in that way. So my imposter voice, it, it kind of, it, it, it weakens me and it takes energy away from me. Mm. And my Helen voice is very strong. Donald is my imposter voice because it's like me, 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 me. And it's like, it's relentless and it, and it <laughs> makes me crazy. I don't like the voice in my head. It's like, mm, stop. And, and so, and so, but, but, but Helen is my other, and this sounds crazy to anybody who hasn't done this exercise, but, but to find that, that persona in you, which is part of you and to be able to use that to inform the strength that you want to have or the confidence that you want to have or whatever it is. And so whenever I can't do something on an aerial piece of equipment, I'll just kind of go, oh, I'm not strong enough. And then I'll go, no, I'm fucking Helen. I can do this. And then I'll, all of a sudden I have way more strength. Yeah. Genuinely works. It's so, I mean, it really is a psychological thing. And I, and I think, um, you know, there's a lot of dismissing the imposter that happens in our industry um, that I think acknowledging and finding the good pieces and parts, right? Because that inner critic is there to protect you in a lot of ways, but also to inform you in a variety of others, which is why, you know, I, I say like Bianca's a bitch and she is a perfectionist and she wants to be fabulous and she wants to be noticed. But at the same time, sometimes I have to say, not now, mm -hmm. right? And there's a time and a place for that voice and just recognizing like what is in your highest and greatest good in this moment is not always what that inner critic is saying, but sometimes being aware of it and making decisions 
an empowered decision as a result is really important. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that the other, you know, if, if we use Bianca as a, as an example, you know, you could have princess Bianca is very different. She's more, you know, she, she, she maybe has a, a more feminine side and then you could have something, you know, like, um, I don't know, mistress Bianca and she's got a more aggressive side perhaps. Oh yes. Yes. You see, so, so, so how we, how we play with our internal dialogue inform how we encourage how we face our fears i couldn't and, agree with you more and that's and that's why i ask that question because i love that and it's amazing how people will say mm, i don't really know i need to think about that it's like no you already know that voice in your head has already spoken to you and god it's me it's me i'm here i'm here yeah, it was just not, uh, you know, when you're not prepared for that, it's like, hmm, I know. Sometimes, I, <laughs> sometimes you, sometimes you need the prompts, right? Like, what, what is it? Like, what are those things? And you start to say things, and I'm like, oh, that's what it was. That's who it is, right there. And isn't that a great example of when we look to other people who have that that experience and go, how are they doing that? Oh, I can use that, and now I know what my thing is. Yeah, and you're not yeah. Like, oh, yeah, my stage name is going to be Helen too. Do you know, it's not It's not that. It's not a direct. No, decision. not at all. Yeah. It's a, oh, I get how to use that and here's how it works for me. Yeah. It's a, it's Process it and then create your own. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what is your favorite lesson that you have ever learned, Paula? Oh, my gosh. Um, it's never too late. You're never too old. You're never too young. If your intuition is telling you it's time, it's time. I love that. Ah, oh, I love that. That's made me stop thinking. That's just, mm. I, don't have I have so many, many examples of this in my life that, uh, you know, not just leaving my job at, you know, 40, but just, you know, adopting my daughter from Russia and like, where was $40,000 going to come from? And I was in my 20s. How was I going to do that? Right. And moving to Austin, Texas from Maryland and not really understanding where the money was going to come from for that. And I was divorced. And how were we both going to move together? Neither one of us had jobs out here. We weren't even together. So it was like having to convince him that this was the right, their dad, this was the right thing, right? For him to move here too, even though we weren't married. And all of these things that seemingly would have been absolutely absurd for anyone else. I, when I get an idea in my head, I mean, some people call it stubborn and I like to think of myself as a visionary. <laughs> so well, also a leadership skill. Totally. Yeah, totally. So Paula, where can people find you? Because I know people are going to want to talk to you more and reach out and, and get to know you and find out more about your work and what you're doing. Well, I hang out a lot in my Facebook community, and that is the I Am Becoming community. I um, I love the people inside, just so collaborative. You know, you and I, you join the community, and that's where we met, Heather. And mm -hmm. I am so grateful for that. You've been around in the community for a really long time and gotten to see the honest self-evolution of my voice. And then um, I also have a podcast. It's called The Confidence Sessions. It's on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, anywhere that you can get a podcast, it's there. Would love for you to listen, rate, review, subscribe if you feel called. And um, and then I uh, 
oh gosh, where else am I? Thecourageblueprint.com, my website. So if you go to my website, there are several free resources there. Um, if you click at the top, you'll see some free training resources. And I actually have a free training on how to dig into your values and your mission, um, which is a really great starting point or reset point for any business owner. Um, totally free. And I give you feedback on that. And there's also a prove yourself wrong worksheet where you can dig into your inner critic and find ways to easily prove yourself wrong within a 10 minute time frame. Um, no program or coaching required. Just do it all on your own. Um, so those are the three best places to find me. Amazing. Amazing. And you are, you, you genuinely are in your, I am becoming Facebook community a lot, which I love because it's fun. I get to see you live and, 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 and it's a, if, if you're, if you're thinking about Facebook communities, it's a very, it's not a Facebook community where we all follow Paula. We all connect with each other, which is just so refreshing. Absolutely. So. And I, and there's also, if you're interested in, in learning more about alignment and human design, I have a co-coach that is a mindset, human design expert and alignment coach. Um, that's part of my team and she shows up very regularly in the group. So if you want to learn more about human design, it's a great place for you to start when you couple that with your values. Um, it's a fabulous extension of learning more about who you are beyond the hats you wear. Beautiful. Beautiful. That is so important. That is so important. Beyond the hats we wear. Maybe that's your book. It could very well be. How did you know I was thinking about writing a book? I just feel it. I, just feel it. I, feel, I feel like <laughs> She's so intuitive, everyone. <laughs> you actually genuinely didn't tell me that. I did all. not tell you that. <laughs> Paula Shepard, thank you so much for being my guest on the oh. on the Confidence to Cabaret podcast. I I've loved our conversation. I always love it when we connect. It is such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for having me. It's really honestly my pleasure to be connected with you and be a part of your community. So you do amazing work. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Reach out to Paula. Uh, get involved in the Facebook community I am becoming. Get involved. Go, go check out the resources on courageblueprint.com and go check out the podcast on the Confidence Sessions podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So if you're watching this on YouTube, then please like and subscribe. Anywhere you search Confidence Cabaret, you will find all of our connections. It's actually quite fun when you when I Google Confidence to Cabaret now. It's about two pages of just like Yay! These different, all these different Instagram and uh, Clubhouse and you name it. We're, we're everywhere. Uh, so if you are listening to this on your podcast, go check out the YouTube channel because there's a lot of playlists there now, like a lot of, of uh, materials there. Uh, if you're listening, if watching this on YouTube, go check out Confidence Recovery podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. And of course, check out Paula's podcast, which is the Confidence Sessions podcast as well. Um, I am on Twitter at YBYWYS and I am on Clubhouse at Heather YBYWYS and those six letters stand for it is your body, it is your world, and it is your stage. Take up space, own it, enjoy. Thank you for joining us. Bye Paula. Bye. Bye everyone.